The Film Guide with Sam and Chris, part of the St. Albans podcast with Danny Smith. Hello and welcome to the Friday Film Guide on the St. Albans podcast. It is Friday 26th of November 2021 and you are here with me, Chris Aikman, and our main presenter, the woman with all the knowledge and a PhD, it's Dr. Samantha Rolfe. Hello. Hello there. Hello. And uh, remind everyone what your PhD is in? Space science. Yay. Very topical for this. Yeah. Mm. Cool. Mm -hmm. So uh, part one is where we discuss what is new to cinemas uh, this week um, out today. And what do we have? Well, this is the the big release of this this week is House of Gucci. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's a Ridley Scott uh, starring many famous people, including Lady Gaga. Adam Driver, Jared Leto, Jeremy Irons, you know, old Scarface himself, as in oh. <laughs> the lion from The Lion King. I was about to say, no, Al Pacino was Scarface and you're about ah. to talk about him. <laughs> but yes, exactly. Al Pacino is also in this movie. Uh, Jack Huston and uh, Selma Hayek as well. I don't mean to correct you, but I think that's Jack Houston. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What did I say? Huston. Huston. I don't know why. <laughs> Huston, Texas. Ah, uh, yeah. You know, the famous uh, Huston, we have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So. I think I, I now I think Houston is spelled, is spelled differently as in the town. But now we're confused. But that's it's definitely Jack Houston. Cool. Um, well, apologies to Jack. He, he's uh, the nephew of uh, Angelica Houston. Morticia Adams herself. Right. Anyway, moving this, on. This isn't about Jack Houston. <laughs> it's House of well, Gucci. It is. It is a little bit, but yes. Uh, so House of Gucci. I was like, oh, sounds boring. Like fashion. Like not my not my cup of tea. You know, I dress terribly, so um, <laughs> it's not my kind of scene. But uh, it turns out it is my scene, Chris, because it's yep. about crime, true crime, and you love nothing more than this is this is true. Falling to sleep to people describing horrible crimes. I mean, uh, let's not get into it. No, but yes. However, this is a yeah. This is a this is an exciting. Um, everybody, regardless, you know, people think oh, it's so morbid to talk about murder and true crime and all this stuff. Yes, I agree. It is. However, how are you prepared for the horrible world around us if you're not clued in to all the horrible things that are going on? How do you spot red flags, keep yourself safe, and so on forth? It's it's a multi-million dollar industry now, true crime. It is. It's a very fine line between it's not an it's not entertainment, it's knowledge gaining. And storytelling, and humans love to hear stories, and yet uh, it is at the expense of those who are the victims of said crime. So it is a very fine, difficult line to draw. We could do a whole podcast on the on podcasts of true crime. Yeah, I mean, th- and people, I'm sure do, but, but that's that, that's not what we're here to talk. No. About. So let's go back <laughs> to the movie House of Gucci. So inspired by the shocking t- true crime of the family empire behind the Italian fashion house of Gucci, we've got betrayal, we've got revenge, we've got murder. You know, how far will this family go for control of, you know, the business, the fashion world, etc., etc., um, you know, control of each other, 
their family, the fortune. That is the question. Yeah. The trailer looks, it looks good. Lady Gaga, she looks... <laughs> it's, had, it's, had some, it's had some very good reviews. There's already early, like, Oscar talk. How exciting. Specifically for uh, Lady Gaga. Mm. It's not often that Americans become landed gentry uh, like her, but and and get titles, but yeah, it, it's it's been very well reviewed. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's going to be one of them that people talk about for a while. So, what else is there? Maybe set in the past, mm. telling uh, important stories uh, that people could possibly see this weekend. So, we have a British movie called Pirates. Uh, this is directed by Reggie Yates. It's about sort of group of lads. 1999, biggest New Year's party of the millennium, because it's about to turn to the year 2000, of course. Of course. And so it this feels like a sort of coming of age. Um, you know, we've got 18-year-olds all trying to figure out what they're doing. And they're also trying to get into this massive party that's going to be, you know, party of the century and so forth, party of the millennium. Yeah, I thought the the trailer looked looked interesting and I think the the title Pirates comes from the fact that they sort of run this pirate radio station and they're sort of putting out putting out this live UK garage set and and so forth. Yeah, coming of age movie. Okay. Sure thing. And uh what if neither of those two movies are, you know, sound like your sort of bag? Well, I don't know if this one's going to tick this a different... This one actually is probably not too different from the first one. Yeah, it's not going to tick a different box because this is uh, this is classified under crime films, although not based on a true story as far as I know. I think it was... Uh, perhaps it was a book, I don't know, actually. But... It's based on a, a, a British miniseries. Yes, you know, I, yes, I knew it was based on something. Thank you, Chris. About 12 years ago, I think. So, yeah, this is called The the Unforgivable, starring Sandra Bullock. Um, you may know her from many movies, including Gravity, Speed, Two Weeks Notice and Bird Box. To name but a few. To name but a few, yes. Oh, dear. I'm going to definitely butcher this name. So we have okay. Vincent D'Onofrio. No. Do you, want, do you want me to help? Please, if you know. I do. It's Vincent D'Onofrio. D'Onofrio. Thank you. Yes, I can see. I can see where I should put the emphasis now. Uh, he played. No, Chris, you're gonna have to help me out. What's his face? <laughs> uh, Wilson Fisk. Yes, you got, oh, there got in the there. End. Kingpin. Got there. Kingpin in the Daredevil TV series on Netflix. Yep. And uh, a while back, he was also in Full Metal Jacket. And we also have uh, Viola Davis, Ma Rainey of Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Quite a recent, more recent movie. A very good cast. Uh, so yeah, exciting cast, and it's uh, about about Sandra Bullock's character, um, and she uh, has been in prison uh, because she was convicted of a murder. And uh, from the trailer, it uh, I think it's it it wasn't super clear from the trailer, but I think uh, she kills a cop, mm-hmm. and so like you know that's even worse than killing a non-cop person. But so, yes, people and society isn't going to forgive her for that. However, she's searching for her little sister that she had to leave behind, obviously being put in prison. Um, She doesn't know where she is. There wasn't too much else revealed from the trailer, to be honest. So interesting to see where that goes. What's important to note about this is that it's a very limited cinema release, isn't it? That's true. That's true. Yes, because this is actually a Netflix movie. Uh, so it'll be out on Netflix on the 10th of December. But um, in order to, you know, get into any nomination 
categories in terms of Oscars and things, then you have to have had a cinematic release in order to be considered. So that's why we're seeing Netflix and um, other streaming services outputs going into movie theatres even though perhaps yes they're only I think this had about 100 or so locations though so not huge compared to like uh, House Gucci which has 300 plus locations you know it's going to be in most cinemas around the country yeah but you know chances are there's there's a uh, cinema nearish to you that is that has this in has this in so I wonder if as well as um being released for awards consideration which yeah I believe it's for Oscars, certainly, you have to have released a movie for at least one week somewhere within Los Angeles, basically. It has to have shown at a cinema in Los Angeles to be oh. considered for the Oscars. Okay. For at least a week. And but I wonder as well if part of it is to maybe recoup some more money. It's Because obviously Netflix is, is relying on... The, well, the way they get money is more and more people subscribing. Mm-hmm. But... I mean, there's only a limited amount of people, really, that can keep subscribing to Netflix. Yeah. But, you know, people can keep seeing movies. Because, obviously, uh, the other week we spoke about Red Notice, which was the latest film starring Ryan Reynolds, Dwayne Johnson and Gal Gadot, which had a limited cinema release, which I can guarantee is not getting nominated for any Oscars. Uh, But it was possibly because, you know, star power and whatnot. You think you'd draw a few people into the cinema and get a bit of cash from that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. but I don't know. That's a theory I've literally just come up with. So okay, it's based on nothing. I think it's interesting because obviously the music industry for a long time, the charts were based on just record sales, physical record sales, and it was resisted for quite a while to include streaming from you know YouTube or Spotify or other music streaming services. And so I think maybe uh, eventually we'll we'll probably get to the same point, right? With award nominations possibly uh yeah we're still sort of in the early days of i mean there's a lot of streaming services getting nominated for awards now but uh it's whether we see i'm trying to think now as to whether anyone any major award has gone to a a film on a streaming service certainly some have been nominated Mm -hmm. um for big awards but they might not quite have gotten they haven't crossed that line yet no but I'm, i'm sure i'm forgetting someone or some some massive film. Look, we can't air a film all the time, Chris, and that's a that's a beautiful thing. Sure. And I think on that profound thought, we shall leave part one. See you very shortly in part two. Part two is where Sam discusses what is new to streaming. Uh, so what is new on the streaming platforms? We were just talking about them. Uh, Mm. what's actually headed there uh, this week nothing of note on prime video or any of the other major major streaming services we do have on netflix a new production the summit of the gods so this is tuesday the 30th of november so a few days uh, from as we record and this is actually an animated movie uh, based on a manga so it's sort of a, a japanese style animation but French, and you could, I'm assuming, obviously got subtitles, or perhaps there's also an English dub. I'm not sure. And it, yeah, like I say, it's it's based on a best-selling manga, and it's about whether or not George Mallory and his companion Andrew Irvine were actually the first men to scale Everest in 1924. 
question mark <laughs> because you know there's i'm sure lots of attempts that happened and whether or not they were actually the first or not you know this is it's i'm assuming this is a more sort of a fictional yeah i don't actually know anything about the manga so <laughs> <laughs> who's to say well but... it, it just judging from the trailer it looked it looked very interesting mm. and it, it yeah it's not a subject i know really anything about um mountain climbing no um i mean i thought that the first people to climb it was in like 1950 something edmund hillary mm. i think hillary um as it and was it ten tensing who yeah uh, i think they were the ones to first officially definitely reach the summit okay but um just looking at them now in fact about about um george mallory and his companion they might have done but they went missing during their right. uh, they disappeared on the north ridge of everest in 1924 oh, that's horrifying yes Okay, so yeah, this explores that that you know, seventy years later, a young Japanese uh, reporter recognizes like an old camera in the hands of a mysterious outcast climber. Then his reporter, Spidey Sense, you know, is tingling and and he's trying to figure out what's happened. And so yeah, sort of a mystery story in that respect. Yeah. Oh, that sounds very interesting. So yeah, I think I think uh, one to one to have a look at for sure. I do I do see you have a little another little note on uh, on something. I do indeed, Chris. Yes, because it was so uh, you know so lack of in terms of new to streaming. Um, I thought I'd just highlight uh, in case ha- people hadn't seen it in 2019. We have the wonderful Little Women coming out. Uh, it's available as of now. Friday the 26th of November on Netflix. So, yeah, an yes. excellent an excellent um adaptation. Yes, Greta Gerwig's adaptation. It's it's one of my favorite films of the last few years and I would implore others to to watch it. Yeah, give it a watch. Um how little are these women? Well, you've got to watch to find out. Mm. Um, so thank you very much that is what is new to streaming uh, quite light this week uh, and in part three we'll be discussing Sam's Friday Fright Night choice Hi, I'm Matt Adams the heart of the Hearts Advertiser for over ten years join me and host Danny Smith for St Albans Podcast a weekly look at the news views and reviews of the city and district of St Albans as well as our delve into the local stories that matter We regularly cover topics including health, food and drink, legal matters, the theatre scene and mental health. Alongside our regular features, we talk to people from our wonderful community, sharing some of the amazing work they do. Episodes are released every Wednesday at 7pm and you can find us by going to your podcast platform of choice and searching for the St Albans Podcast. Find out more at stalbanspodcast.com. Part three, we're here with Sam Rolfe, and she, well, every time she's on, she likes to pick a scary movie to discuss. It's called Sam's Friday Fright Night. And what did we pick last time to discuss this week? Remind everyone. I picked Audition because uh, last month it was, of course, Spooky Halloween. Of course. And so I feel like I'm running a little bit behind each time. We're talking, the yes, we're talking about Spooky Halloween in, in... November. In the end of November, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I picked Audition because it sort of tops the lists 
uh, in terms of sort of scariest movies. I hadn't seen it. Nope. Whereas, Chris, you had actually seen this. So this is a very rare, very rare. I I saw this, um, it was many years ago. Uh, so I I remembered parts of the film. Sure. Um, there were large parts that I hadn't really remembered. And this is, uh, when I, I think I mentioned last time, when in my teenage years, I was going through a bit of a phase where I thought I was, I'd watch as much um, Japanese, Chinese, Hong Kong, uh, South Korean type, like loads of different movies from from that region of the world. And Audition was one of them because I'd I'd read about um, the director Takashi Miike, who is an interesting fellow and one of the most prolific film directors of all time. Yeah, he he makes several movies a year, often completing them. I was reading in a couple of weeks, basically. It's extremely impressive. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to say that audition looks like it was filmed in a couple of weeks or anything, <laughs> <laughs> but like when you then hear when you then find that out, you can kind of see like it's set in a very limited number of locations. Yeah. And even though like you're jumping around those lo- yeah they those locations like play quite a big part throughout the movie but if you actually then yeah like think back okay there was only like three maybe four places that, that that they were actually filming in um so that really helps obviously if you're minimizing that but you know I don't know whether or not in terms of mental health and well-being, it's necessarily that having shot that movie in such a short amount of time. I don't know. Um, you know, who knows? Well, so do you, I mean, do you care to, to enlighten everyone as to what the basic premise is? And then we'll go into more detail. Yeah, we won't jump to spoilers too soon. But yeah, so Audition was uh, from 1999. The sort of short synopsis is that uh, there's a, a widower who he's a bit lonely and his son is like, maybe you should get remarried. So he works at a company where they're making movies. And so they have this idea. Let's create an audition where like get people to apply for a role where actually it's sort of this double meaning uh, where they're actually looking for a, a new potential partner for him. Um, so they they end up they end up auditioning around 30 out of how many applicants the one that he fancied from from the pile of applications that they had turns out she is not who she appears i mean that's a, yeah that's a pretty good summation it, it's it's a hard movie to describe in many ways i think because it's for large parts of it isn't like an overtly horror movie no it's some parts of it play like a bit of like a romantic comedy. I don't know if you sort of thought that, or like a sort of a more of a straight drama. Yeah, because it, it, he yeah, so he's he's lonely, and it's his friend that suggests to him that yeah, we'll hold an audition. You know what qual- what qualities you want in in a woman. We'll make sure that those qualities are sort of asked for and sought after. You know, and they have a whole lengthy scene where they're these auditioning these different women, and mm. they all have different like skills and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, then he takes a shine to this one, Asami, 
and he gets a bit obsessed. But it it was because we, we were reading like art, like interpretations of it, like critical interpretations. Yeah, there were some where it's like this is a deeply misogynistic film, and then there were others where it's like this is a deeply feminist film. <laughs> and yeah, <laughs> I think I think if you've probably if you're having people argue, is it misogynistic or feminist? You've probably done quite a decent job of making it interesting because there are misogynistic elements to it. So, I mean, the whole sort of first half an hour where they're setting up the audition, they're discussing like what traits they it's, want. It, it's two middle-aged wants. Japanese yeah. men yeah. who are sort of set in their ways and and things they want. They they keep mentioning things like obedience. Yeah. Um, and Yuck. she should have a you know she should have a skill you know and what they're looking for is is sort of you know traditional patriarchal views of of women i mean yeah that was the horrifying part and that was the most um, horrifying part chris i'm sorry the rest of the movie wasn't scary at all (laughs) that was fine and and so i don't know whether that's like because obviously japanese culture is you know very different to ours i don't know what it was like particularly in you know over 20 years ago Mm -hmm. so i don't know if it was representative of views of the time sure yeah and whether that's changed uh, now it's changed. yeah but then part of me doesn't want to sh- should we go into spoilers without yeah i mean i was just i was going to provide like a little bit of context before we sure, sure, jumped sure. into spoilers like so you know 1999 i was trying to think what other you know where were we in horror at that time yes. because horror went you know we had this the 70s and then into the 80s and it became a bit more of a you know all these video nasties and then it just kind of got too it was all too much in terms of you just you know, your slashers and all this business it was too much yeah. so yeah horror lost its way a little bit so this was 99 so around that time we also had scream came out in 96 event horizon 97 uh, in terms of uh, Japanese, uh, Ringu was in 98. So this was just the, the year before audition. And um, they actually, uh, off the back of the success of Ringu, um, partly was why this was made. We had uh, Blair Witch Project and Sixth Sense in 99. American Psycho 2000, Final Destination, Ginger Snaps also 2000. 28 Days Later in 2002. And then we start looking back again at things like Saw in two, 2004. And The Excellent Descent in, uh, well, I'm saying it's excellent. The movie is called The Descent uh, in 2005. Yeah, it's not the excellent descent. <laughs> no, it was a terrifying de- descent, if anything. But yes, so those are the, that's the kind of, that's where we're at, right? Yeah. So I think, where, yeah, so putting it into the context of, of, of those, I don't think it's more or less scary than any of those movies necessarily. Like no. you say, I think it has a slightly different tone to it pace to it but at the same time yeah if we get into spoilers we'll we'll see but i'd I'd say that there's not there's not the constant dread of a lot of those films like a lot of them that you've mentioned Mm, blair witch very very early on Mm -hmm. you're like this is a horror movie yes but yeah i'd say the first half hour you don't really get that feeling from it no it gradually builds up to it and, and and just you get a few like hints and things like that and i don't know i don't, I don't want to say too much well no let's put a timestamp in here then 
Avoid spoilers and go to 33 minutes and 44 seconds. Okay, so Asami is this beautiful, young, quiet woman who our protagonist falls in love with and he starts uh, dating her. There's, you know, yeah, just just bits here and there and like dropped in that something is not quite right with this woman. You get cuts to her her apartment where she's generally just sitting on the floor next to the phone. Waiting. Waiting to be called. And also in her apartment is a giant bag. And... (laughs) It's like a sack, isn't it? It's a big sack. It's tied up at one end. Big brown sack. And that first scene where we see the phone, her and the sack. Mm Mm-hmm. Nothing really happens. She's just waiting. You said out loud, what's in the sack? (laughs) (laughs) What's in the sack? And (laughs) What's in the sack? And then a bit later. That was seven, wasn't it? That was seven. What's in the box? A bit later, you see the sack again. And then you see what is one of the moments that I remember. And I think it's it's considered quite a memorable, famous moment in like horror of she talks on the phone with the protagonist and then hangs up and then there's a few seconds and then the bag in the back of the scene (laughs) rolls over. Rolls around, yeah. And then it's like, cut, and that's it. What? That doesn't answer my question (laughs) about what's in the sack. (laughs) And so from then on, you sort of got like this feeling of dread. But again, there's not... It's That's basically the only jump scare i'd say yeah agreed in in the entire movie and it's a well-delivered jump scare as well because it also i think a jump scare that doesn't come out of nowhere like it's it has been building the tension it's already shown you this sack Mm -hmm. in another scene it made you question what's in the sack well one doesn't tend to have a giant sack in one's front room no we don't no and please uh Email in Chris at St. Albans Podcast or Sam at St. Uh, if you have an unidentifiable giant sack <laughs> in your living room. Because maybe other people do have giant sacks in their living room. Maybe it's just normal. Maybe. Maybe we're the freaks. Yeah. The jump is like, it's not something that just, just come out of screen. It's it's something you're, the camera is focused on. Yes. And it, it's, it's well done. Yeah, and extremely. The only time it gets then overtly horror again is the last half hour. Yeah. It's a, it's about two hours long. Yeah, it's got this this last half hour, which then becomes overtly horror, in which Asami basically reveals herself to be just a psychopath who likes cutting people's limbs off. <laughs> so yeah, so Ayayama, he is the uh, is the person, the widower, who's looking for this yeah. new new partner. I don't know. It's not. It's not like we, people shouldn't find a new partner after their their uh, their spouse has passed away or anything. But yes, he, the way he goes about it, obviously, yes, quite sort of misogynistic and patriarchal. But yeah, the fact that she, you know, she presents herself as sort of a, a shy, yeah, very, very much. Well, I, I don't know. Perhaps it's perhaps it's my interpretation, sort of Western interpretation of of shyness. But she's always got sort of an averted gaze. She's like looking down away, um, yeah. which is perhaps sort of out, you know, a more of a out of respect politeness um, scenario in terms of Japanese culture, where yeah, you you obviously you're 
often bowing and so forth to show politeness but yeah so he he's you know feels like he's he's making good progress with her in terms of the relationship and she you know seems to be receptive to him to him as well and i don't think he has any reason to <laughs> as you would expect and he wouldn't you know <laughs> have any reason to fear her yeah and she so she basically makes him promise that he'll love no one but her Mm. and he says yeah and and i think he means that because i think he understands he know i think he think he means no other woman yeah but he has a son who he loves and he by the end she she basically says oh i told you to love no one else oh you love your son yeah i feel like he doesn't mention the son like if you were, <laughs> I don't think I don't think he does on screen, but she she knows about him by the end. But whether okay. or not that's um, yeah, because he's told her at some point, or because she she has deduced this, she's found out some way. Mm. But yes, like you get a lot of insight into her background. She's been terribly abused. As she's a child. been yeah, and I think like it's important to say that people that are abused do not grow up you know to be abusers of course it happens in rare cases but like i think it's quite a bad trope in horror and and so forth that oh this person was abused as a child therefore they go on they go on to be a murderer and so forth that's ridiculous yes, yes we should yes Pl- plenty of people have had suffered horrible abuse in childhood and grown up to be uh, at the very least non-psychopathic killers yeah. uh, and often just you know perfectly well-rounded people absolutely um and yeah so i think that trope is played upon like quite heavily and i yeah obviously that's not great but like so that sort of provided as the kind of catalyst for her behavior yeah but at the same time she does have multiple male victims but she also has a female victim so it isn't yeah it isn't that she's only out to destroy the men in her, you know, th- these men, these unsuspecting men or the men in her life that abused her and so forth. Um, so it isn't played in that way because it's not gender based. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, she's sort of just out for out for blood. <laughs> every every month we, we discuss your scary movies, you give them a fear factor rating. Mm. What would you say your your fear factor was for audition? So I've put this. I've put this at an eight out of ten. That's that's pretty high on it's the, pretty high. the Sam Rolf yeah. scale. Pure hard as nails. Nothing frightens you. I enjoyed the tension. I thought, even though, like you said, it doesn't actually play out as a horror for quite a quite a large part of it. I thought the parts that were, you know, the torture scene where she she exacts her revenge. It's not really revenge, is it? She exacts her. I don't know. <laughs> Her wrath. Her wrath for whatever purpose, you know. He he's he he it's not like, yeah, he's he's never met this person before. He's not wronged her in any way. It's not like you see a flashback where he wrongs her early on in her life and she's like hunted him down, sort of thing. You know. While you yeah, while you can certainly quibble with his methods of meeting yes. women, which yeah, you could say is certainly bordering on despicable. Yeah. Uh, like other than that, he he seems to be taking the relation. He he seems to be, well, at one point he's like, "I'm planning on proposing," hmm. uh, and it seems like they've been going out for about a week. But yeah. I don't know if that's. <laughs> I don't know if again that's the sort of thing that's maybe not wasn't uncommon. Yeah. In you know Japan twenty years ago, I I don't know enough. Yeah. Who's to say? 
And some people obviously, you know, in many cultures, marry after only like a week or so. Mm. He's taking things slowly. He's not trying to like, he's sort of doing it what he thinks is the right way. Yeah. Although they met under less than honest circumstances. Yes. So nothing he does makes you think, yeah, you deserve this. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's it's not, yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, the eight is partly for the horrifying misogyny and patriarchal crap. And part of the eight is for the scenes in which she is then ends up torturing him because i think they are like you're ve- there's a lot of close-up camera work there's a lot of um you feel like you're right there with the characters and also if someone did want to go about finding victims in this way like you could you could see how you know you've got like there's like catfishing and all these other horrible things that people do in real life and it's not impossible that this could happen in real life. So yeah. I think that's that pushes the fear factor up for sure. My only criticism of the film, really, if I had mm-hmm. to have one, mm-hmm. is that the character of uh, Asami's old ballet teacher. Oh, yes. Who's a creepy man in a wheelchair with no feet. I think he... He felt slightly out of place because the rest of the films have been played quite naturalistically. And then he's sort of a bit over the top and like cackling and just sort Mm. of strange. And it felt slightly tonally uneven to me. Yeah, no, I would agree. I think the reason is in another horror film, which was more overtly a horror film, he probably wouldn't have felt out of place. Yeah. But in a film which had initially presented itself as being kind of like a drama like a romantic drama type thing with horror elements, he felt a bit, yeah, off-putting to me. But not enough to, you know, stop it being a really good film. Yeah. If you haven't seen this movie, I would highly recommend it. Yep. And if you have seen it and you liked what you saw in terms of the actors, so we have Ro Ishibashi, who is actually in The Grudge, 2004, starring Sarah Michelle Gellar also. So you can catch his work uh, there. Um, I'm not sure about um, Ihi Shina, who is the who is uh, a Sami. I I think she she previously was a um a, and I think still is a a, a model. Ah, okay. I, I think this might have been her first. Oh no, I'm, I'm looking it up now. It wasn't her first, but she actually had only really was quite new to acting. Uh, but it's certainly uh, her biggest film. Okay. Um, and then Tetsu Sawaki, who plays the son, he's now a tax auditor, so um, you won't see <laughs> him did, anything yes, else. I that up, yeah. <laughs> um, but I liked him in it. I thought he played a teenage. I mean, he was also a teenage boy in real life, but you know, I thought he played that sort of role quite well. Yes, and uh, Jun Kunimura, who plays uh, Ayama's friend, who he yeah Yoshikawa. Yoshikawa, he uh, he's been in well, he's in Kill Bill Volume One and mm. Two. Do you recognise him? Now that you say that, maybe. But who? He's, he, he's done a lot of Japanese cinema, but he's also been in various uh, Hollywood ones. He's Boss Tanaka in uh, the. Well, I believe is he the one that loses his head? Yeah, he's not in the second one. <laughs> oh, he's credited in being the second one. Okay. Oh, he he might play like another character then potentially. Okay, but that's uh, he's. I mean, he's in more recently Midway, um, so he he's done a lot of Hollywood movies as well. So he's he's relatively he's around and about, round and yeah. about. Excellent. Well, yeah. What what is happening next? Next time on Friday Friday night. <laughs>
uh, well, you know, it's December almost. And um, something something normally happens in December, doesn't it? Not what really would sure. that be? Mm, I always forget and have to panic last minute. But yeah, I think it's it's Christmas. <gasps> Christmas? Yeah, and um, we'll get to it in the next part. But, you know, switch on any TV channel and there's going to be a Christmas movie on at the moment. <laughs> However, not normally my bag. Not really into it. But... There are some Christmas horror movies, so I thought, let's dive in. Sure. I had a few choices. There was Black Christmas, which is available on Netflix. Uh, That was a 2019 movie. Sort of my next choice, other than the one I picked, would have been something called Better Watch Out, which was 2016, but that was only on pay-per-view. So I've gone for Krampus. Oh, yeah. 2015. Uh, So this is a boy who has a bad Christmas accidentally summons a festive demon to his family home. And I believe it's uh, based on sort of a a true life. Well, not not a true true life. It's a true life story where a boy accidentally summons a demon to his home. No, um, I mean that the sort of mythology exists in real life. Yes. Of this this demon. A real folk tale. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. So th- so yeah. So that uh is available on on Netflix and we'll be we'll be watching that this month. Cool. Right. Part 4 is where Sam goes through her picks of films on free to air television. She always includes some classics. So, Saturday, 27th of November, on the Horror Channel, you always pick a film on the Horror Channel, at 3pm, we have Independence Day. <laughs> yeah. I feel there's a twist. Yeah, this is not whenever Independence Day came out. This is an Independence Day. six. Yeah, sure. That sounds right. Yeah. This is a 2016 Independence Day, not spelled how you think, it's spelled independent S apostrophe. So it's this mockbuster yep. type movie where they have a name that's very similar, if not basically the exact same of like a real Hollywood blockbuster movie. And they make a sort of spoof version of it. Yep. I mean, I think I think that's all we need to know. Yeah, um, I mean... It's got aliens in it. Aliens, the White House gets all the capital gets blown up or whatever and uh the plot was noted to be convoluted so so 3 p.m on saturday on the horror <laughs> channel on uh also saturday on five star at 9 p.m we've got pacific rim yeah so this is uh, a sci-fi adventure starring uh, idris elba's there uh rinko kikuchi and charlie hunman Hun- hunnam Hunnam. I apologize. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, monsters, robots, fighting. Did Did you pick this so you could finally find out how it ends? Yes. Um, I we, fell asleep. Yeah, you fell asleep during the ending. I don't think you ever saw the end of it. No. Yes, yeah, so I'll be watching. <laughs> yeah. Just you just have to tune in for the last half hour. Yeah. I remember it being. I remember it being good up until the moment that I was then asleep. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, but kind of going over uh, Pacific Rim, so on a different mm. channel, on Channel 4 at 10pm, we've got the Academy Award winning Parasite. That's right, yes. Uh, so this, yeah, this is a Korean movie 
about a family who live in poverty and uh, try to infiltrate a wealthy household and trick their way in and where i don't know i think it's a it's a comment on capitalism yeah it's a a sort of yeah satire of of, you know capitalism and and you know korean culture and it resonated with a lot of people around the world uh because obviously people realize that well korean culture is a lot like american culture or british culture yeah uh capitalism rules the roost and is you know ultimately probably a bad thing but yeah we, we haven't actually seen that yet so i'm excited to watch it no we haven't seen it yet no um and, and we should like i say it was first um film not in the english language to win the best picture at the academy awards so moving on to sunday the 28th of november on film four at 9 p.m we've got passengers yeah i mean i put this in because it's it's a it's a entertaining uh sci-fi drama starring jennifer lawrence and chris pratt and michael sheen's there as well i don't remember him specifically but apparently he's in it he is um but it is focused mostly on uh jennifer lawrence and chris pratt's characters as they um travel through the stars it's sort of a they get woken in a they're in sort of cryostasis but um they get woken up and they're the only two that are awake for whatever reason but i remember there being an excellent sort of special effects scene where gravity or lack of gravity causes a swimming pool to empty its water out into you know the sort of globules of water that you get when you're in anti uh, when you're in l- low gravity but also that it could have perhaps used a different form of storytelling i think it's quite linear whereas it could have bounced around a bit to like make it a bit more interesting so yeah yeah. no i agree uh so that's on sunday at 9 p.m on film four on monday the 29th of november again horror channel uh 9 p.m lakeview terrace like you say oh the horror (laughs) (laughs) like i'm that's the kind of movie i'm into so i'm gonna recommend them i'm not ashamed No, and also other than the ones I've picked, literally all these movies that I've picked are the only movies that aren't a Christmas movie, a war movie, or before nineteen ninety. So, sure, as it was slim pickings, Chris, slim pickings, and I know I say that a lot, but <laughs> it's true. So this is yeah, Lakeview Terrace, two thousand and eight. We find it's sort of a. I don't know. So it, it reads here that a bigoted police officer appoints himself as the guardian of a sub, of his suburban neighbourhood. So he's decided, I'm going to look out for uh, my neighbourhood, but I'm going to do it my way and only, you know, my rules or the, you know, my way or the highway type thing. Yeah. He's a racist. And so when a mixed race couple moves in next door, uh, his disapproval uh, leads him to horrible things, spirals to violence, etc. So... Yeah, it's it's got Samuel Jackson, uh, Patrick Wilson, Kerry Washington, and Ron Glass. And I haven't seen this, but I thought it sounded interesting. So I have not seen it either, so I can't comment on its quality. Mm. Um, but it's on the Horror Channel, so you know it's going to be good. Uh-huh. So uh, moving on to Thursday, the second. So nothing, nothing good on the Tuesday or Wednesday that you. No, I, I, I already told you why. Just too much Christmas. Mm-hmm. Too much Christmas. Okay. Thursday, the 2nd of December, you got a twofer. So on great movies action at 7.40am. <laughs> yeah, that's correct. 
Is that correct? That is correct. I promise you. Okay. 7.40 a.m. You've got First Men in the Moon from 1964. That's right. Some movies can be on in the morning, Chris. They they can be. Um, And this is actually on a few times this week. So if you're not up and about or you've got work, um, this movie is on at potentially more useful times to yourselves. But currently I'm working in in the evenings. So I um, could actually watch this before I go to work. And this is... It would require you to get out of bed, though. I'll put it on the tablet. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is based on um, HG, H.G. Wells' novel, First Men in the Moon. And it's about an eccentric Victorian inventor who discovers a strange material defying gravity and it is able to therefore build a spaceship. Um, heading off to the moon, he is astonished to find that it is in fact inhabited by giant ants and cr- caterpillar-like creatures. So... Yeah, this is 1964, so sort of early-ish sci-fi based on, yeah, um, sort of classic sci-fi and has special effects by Ray Harryhausen, so of... Come on. Medusa, no. (laughs) Yeah, Jason and the Argonauts. Yeah, Jason and the Argonauts Uh, and... Clash of the Titans? Clash of the Titans, that's the one I was looking for, that's the one that I was looking for, thank you. Uh, yes, uh, legendary special effects artist. And finally, Thursday, 2nd of December, on ITV4 at 9pm, we have the classic Airplane from 1980. That's right. So this is, uh, I think it's the only comedy that I've picked. And um... <laughs> Going back through, going back through, going back through. Well, unless you count Independence Day. Mm-hmm. Um, no. <laughs> That'd be funny for different reasons. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, this is classic comedy. I don't know. Sp- it's a spoof disaster movie. So it's. I don't know how to describe it, Chris. <laughs> I mean, so basically, there was a period in the 1970s where Hollywood was churning out all manner of disaster movies: Earthquake, The Towering Inferno, The Poseidon Adventure. Is that what it's called? Oh no, that is a movie. Is, is that okay? Good. <laughs> I mean, I'm saying that with confidence <laughs> the, the, the poseidon oh no people are, oh now i can't even spell quickly enough yeah the poseidon adventure <laughs> really had a horrible uh, crisis of confidence there was backdraft was that no was that's it, much was that later okay there was a whole load of them as so this is a spoof of disaster movies um and so yes uh there's a lot of passengers on a plane and the crew get food poisoning and the ground control have to yeah guide everyone down. Because reading the sort of synopsis there, it doesn't sound like a comedy at all. <laughs> it sounds terrifying. Have you seen this film? Yes, I have. But okay, like, good. and it is, you know, it has all the sort of one-liners and so forth. Don't call me Shirley and drinking yep. problem. Yeah. I'm actually interested to see, I haven't seen this film for, I would guess, at least 10 years. Mm. I've seen it so many times, but not for a long time. So I'd be interested to see how much is still... I imagine that a lot of it, though, is, like all comedies, a lot doesn't hold up. But there's enough in it, because there's a lot of slapstick and things. Yes. And there's a lot of physical stuff, which I think is relatively timeless. Yeah. And funny one-liners, as you say. Um, or, you know, puns and stuff. So I think a lot of that should should be still enjoyable. He yeah. says. <laughs> You. It's, it's always it's always a worry going back to movies, you know, comedies from the seventies and eighties. Yeah, exactly. 
that is the uh, your picks of films on free to air TV. So that means uh, we're I'm sorry to say sadly done for this episode of the St Albans Film Guide. Thank you very much, Sam. Thank you. Thank you for your uh, talents as always, Chris. And next week you will hear the sonorous sounds of Howard Linsky and Danny Smith as they discuss Howard's picks of films uh, and what's hear what's new in the cinemas for next week yeah please do watch krampus and come back and send us send us any emails if you have any opinions uh, that's sam at com or chris at com. Uh, so until next time see you soon bye bye